Love this day. This is the greatest day for me in the church calendar throughout the year because this is a time when we rejoice and give thanks for the greatest event that ever happened on this planet. Jesus was raised from the dead. This is huge. And you know um, what I love? I love how, if you saw that picture on our screen, the picture of a new day dawning, and I love how in the text of Scripture it talks in the morning, in in the dawn, is when this all took place. The rock was rolled away, the angel was sitting there, and that's, this is where they declare that he is risen. And I, what I love about it is that the sun, since the very beginning, has always rose up and dispelled the darkness, and that it ascends in its glory and governs and rules the day, and we get used to this, and this happens every single day. We go through darkness, and then from the darkness, the darkness is shattered because the sun And there's no mistaking that it's called the sun. The sun rises, and when it rises, dispels the darkness and comes in glory and power. And so creation has been declaring to us constantly that one day a resurrection is going to happen, where new life will come to this world, where the darkness will be dispelled, and it will truly be a glorious day. I, I just I love how God speaks through all of creation. Romans 1 says... For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so the people are without excuse. It's declaring it all. And even look at me, I look like a a spring flower this morning. (laughs) That's what I thought when I looked in the mirror, like, wow. <laughs> this will either be hilarious or great. And so, but, but we just can't help it because even this time of year, all creation is declaring this glory. Out of the dead ground are springing glorious and beautiful flowers. Resurrection day. One day out of death was going to come life. And so this morning, as we we are going to look at this whole thing about the resurrection, how glorious and awesome it is, and really what it means for every single one of us here. This is huge, massive impact. So let us pray and seek God for his grace this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you because you gave your only begotten son. You were awesome in all your ways. and all creation, you manifest a story. You declare, you even told the gospel through the things created, how life was going to come from death. We praise you, O Lord, for for you are so good and kind and awesome, and yet we reject, despise, hate, ignore, and turn from you. We turn to our own evil ways, we turn, turn to our own lusts, we turn to our own passions, And we forget you, we don't thank you, we don't glorify you, we don't acknowledge you, and in fact, so many people are happy without you. Oh, how sad. Oh, Lord God, I pray this morning for every single person here. I pray that you, oh, Lord, our God, would just work in our hearts and our minds and reveal Jesus to us, that we might see that he truly is the life that has come to overcome death. I pray for every soul in this room, oh, God. And I ask that you would work by your spirit powerfully to bring resurrection life. That you would raise people from the dead today 
that they would know life and they'd know it to the fullest. Oh, Lord, we are so incredibly dependent upon you, for apart from you, we can do nothing. We need, unless you reveal it to us, unless you allow the scales of our eyes to be removed and from our ears, we can't see, we can't hear, we cannot understand. So, Father, I pray for your grace and mercy this morning on every soul here that as we look upon this glorious and wonderful truth, Jesus would be exalted and we would know the life that is in him. Because it's in him that we pray. Amen. I'm here to tell you today that death has been destroyed. Jesus has risen from the dead. And this is massive. This is huge. Because this is the greatest news I could ever tell you. Now, I want you to know something. That The reason why this is the greatest news that I could ever tell you is because our greatest enemy from the very beginning has been death. Do you realize that humanity has always feared death? I think it's, I think it's safe to say that's a good idea. Anybody like the idea of death? Not too many. Woody Allen, I think, joked when he said, uh, I know he joked. He said, I don't so much fear death, I just don't want to be there when it happens. And I think that when we understand death, we understand death in its fullness, we'll, we'll say, you know, not only that, not only do I not want to be there when it happens, you realize that this death has just horrible ramifications to it, if you think about it. You know, Every single one of us here is on our way. We're all headed towards the grave. There's no one here that's going to get a pass. And have you known anybody else that's gotten a pass? No. It's inevitable. Yet so many people try to resolve this issue of death and and try to resolve the dilemma of death. by failing to really understand it, instead of avoiding it altogether. It's like plugging the ears and making the sound, like just do not make me think about it, because the more I can avoid it, the better my life is. And so, so many of us, even though we know it's inevitable, every single person here, I, I think, understands that it is inevitable, but we live our lives as if it's somewhere off in the distant future and we don't have to concern ourselves with it today. This is why Solomon, in his great wisdom, said this. It's better to go to the house of mourning than it is to go into the house of feasting. And why? He says this. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living lay it to heart. In other words, it's good to face the reality of death, because when we do, it causes us to reflect on the one thing which has eternal consequences. What happens when you die? J. Warner Wallace, in his book, Cold Case Christianity, said, Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. And why? 
Because Christians believe Jesus, when Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to, goes to the Father but by him. As the scriptures teach, there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Because of this, the scriptures teach that if a person dies outside of Jesus, they are separated from God and every one of his gifts for eternity. So what awaits us after death is an eternity. Eternity of what? Either an eternity of life or an eternity of death. So the issue that has to be dealt with is this death issue. It's a big deal. Death is a big deal, and it needs to be dealt with. Because only those in Christ, only those who are in Christ, will dwell with God and His people in perfect existence forever. This is why it's of infinite importance. And the reality of this all hinges upon one thing. What does this hinge upon? Here's the question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? It all hinges upon this. It's it's the focal point. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did this actually happen? Because as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.32, What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus, if the dead are not raised... Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. In other words, nothing matters anymore. We are simply gone forever. Never to be seen again. Death has won. But I'm here to tell you, that is not the case. That is not the case. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And he is alive forevermore with his Father in heaven. Our great Savior, the one who came to deal with this issue of death, is Jesus. As Matthew 28, 1 through, uh, yeah, 1 through 7 declares, as we read this morning, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. And as he said, come, see the place where he lay. He wants you to go look, check it out. No one in there. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and behold, he's going before you to Galilee and there you will actually see him. You know, that there, my friends, is a game changer. That's a game changer right there. Because no one has ever died and then raised themselves from the dead. Jesus raised people before from the dead, and people saw this, but no dead person ever raised themselves from the dead. And the significance of this cannot be overstated. 
This is huge. Jesus conquered the grave. And this is at the center of the Christian faith. Can any other religion in the world claim such a thing? No one would ever dare to, unless it was some private conspiracy made up to promote one's religion. Buddha, nor Muhammad, nor Joseph Smith, nor any other religious leader ever claimed to have been raised from the dead. They all are as dead as dead could be. Dead, dead. The grave got them as well. Jesus and Jesus alone was raised from the dead. And this was no private conspiracy. He appeared to Cephas, then he appeared to the Twelve, he appeared to Mary and Mary Magdalene, then he appeared to more than 500 people at one time, and he finally appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus himself didn't write about it. He didn't tell his disciples to write about it. All he did told them was to go and be witnesses to it, testify to the fact, tell them what you see, and tell them what you heard from me. You know, no one with a sound mind and a willingness to search out the facts can deny that Jesus rose from the dead. Many people have tried and they looked at it. And when you look at it and you search at it and you go with integrity and truth and you look at the facts, you come away saying, I give up. It's true. He's risen from the dead. Because, and here's the other thing. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, who would suffer and die or live life under constant persecution for something that was a hoax. Who would do that? Now we're talking hundreds of thousands. We're talking all of his close disciples. Everyone but John was crucified. Not crucified. Martyred. Killed. Some were crucified. This is, that's, that's a big deal. Every single one of them was willing. Why were they willing to go to the death, the grave? For this truth, what were they declaring? Jesus has been raised from the dead. You're nuts and you're insane. No, I'm not. I saw him with my own eyes. You better deny this or we'll put you to death. You can go ahead and put me to death. It doesn't matter. Death has lost its sting. Death has lost its grip. It can no longer hold me down. Go ahead. Eternal life is mine. And this has been the testimony. All the great leaders, the apostles and the great leaders were suffering for their declaration and their testimony that Jesus has been raised from the dead. You can kill me all you want. Death has lost its sting. It no longer has that same victory. You see, before, death was the thing that they were able to hold you by the neck by because everybody's freaked out of death. You know, you can almost get anybody to do anything if you hold a gun to their head and say, if you don't do it, I'll pull the trigger. Why? They're freaked out of dying. But you take death away, and now you've got some bold lions. Because now even if you hold a gun to their head, they're going to say, go ahead, pull the trigger. Whoa, they've lost their power. They've lost their grip. If you don't fear death, what does this person fear? How could we, how could we control them? How can we manipulate them? How could we force them to stop? You can't. You can't. You know, Paul himself declared that if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then we, of all people, are most to be pitied. (laughs) Do you know why he said that? 
If, if he's not raised from the dead, we are, of all people, most to be pitied because he's a man speaking during a time where all the Christian leaders at that time were being persecuted and put to death. You're some crazy animal. If you think, you know, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, I got news for you folks. He's saying, um, <laughs> you're nuts. Why would you put yourself through this if this isn't true? But Paul himself was allowing himself to be beaten with rods to the point of death, stoned to the point of death, whipped, starved, shipwrecked, betrayed, imprisoned, and ultimately put to death for this testimony. Jesus is risen from the dead. He is alive. Everything for the Apostle Paul hinged upon this fact. And you know what our great reward is? And here's the amazing thing. Jesus is our great Savior. Death is the great enemy. But you know what the great reward is? Life. Life abundant. Eternal life. Now this is, this is so amazing. Because I'm not just talking about some life in the, in the future. It also means abundant life now. Right now. Romans 5, 17 through 18 says, For if because of one man's trespass, referring to Adam, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. What he's saying is that death, death came into this world, the death we know, the death, the, not, the death in our souls and the, the physical death we encounter comes through Adam. But life came through Jesus. And you know, here's something we have to understand. When I say the word death, what do you think? Most of us think, oh, that's that day when you die. But biblically speaking, death is much more than that. Death is the absence of life. Death is being separated from life. And what happened in the very beginning when Adam sinned, God set the stage by saying this in Genesis 2, 16 through 17. The Lord God commanded the man saying, surely you, you can eat of all the, every tree of the garden but one. The tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Did you hear that? The day you eat of it, the day you will surely die. I don't know if you know the story or not, but the, when he ate of it, most people say, wait a second, he didn't die. To which I say, stop, right there. He died. He died. What do you mean he died? He died spiritually that day because he, but prior to this, he was in union and communion with God. God, who is life, gave life to Adam. Adam knew fullness and abundance of life. And in the moment that this happened, he was separated from God and the fellowship was broken. And you know what entered his soul? Death. Why do you think he's so insecure all of a sudden? Why do you think he's running away in fear and hiding? Why do you think he's like, oh God, blaming his wife now? Why do you think he's now all of a sudden a schizophrenic weirdo? Because death is in his soul. He experienced death that day, and now he's living and walking in death. Just like Paul, I've said so many times here, Ephesians 2, for you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Wait a second. If you're dead, how are you alive? 
You're dead spiritually. You're dead to the life of God. You don't know that life. And by the way, yes, it's true. You're on your way to dying physically as well. So it's a total package of death. Death spiritually and death physically. The spiritual death happens, you know, we, we, we are born in this world in a state of death. And then we go to our graves and find, find the physical death meets us as well. And then for eternity, if we have not known the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we spend eternity separated from God. This is why Jesus had to come and deal with death. He came so that we might have life. This is what Jesus says. I have come that you might have life. And you know what he said? Life to the fullest. He wasn't just talking, yeah, you know, one day in the future, when you die and and, and after the resurrection and all that, then in the future, then one day you'll have life. No, he says, I've come that you might have life and have life to the fullest right now. You know, this is this has got to be the biggest issue and problem with all of humanity right now is this is the problem of our souls. The absence of life and the experience of death, that feeling of emptiness, that feeling of insecurity, that feeling of meaninglessness and purpose, purposelessness, that feeling that we have where we're just, there's a sense of a longing inside of us and a desire to live, a desire to have fuller life, a desire to be complete, a desire to be made whole, a desire to be, to be given life. Who doesn't want life? Do you want life and life to the fullest? Yes! Sign me up! I want fullness of life. I want joy. I want peace. I want love. I want security. I want to know that the life of God in me. I want this. And Jesus says, well, that's what I came to give. That's what I came to give. You know, Jesus brings the full package. The full package of life. Not just life to come in the future which is going to be incredibly glorious and good. I mean, undescribably good. I couldn't do it any justice. I could preach up here for a year trying to like figure out how to tell you how amazing it's going to be, but I, I, I couldn't. I'd fail. No eye has seen or no ear has heard what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. But Jesus brings life even now because Jesus is the life and he brings it fully. Death Death, death in the soul and death in the physical life, death has fully been destroyed. So, if you want to know the life of Christ, if you want to experience the the abundant life that Jesus offers, if you want to know resurrection from the dead, do you know what you need to do? You need to turn to Jesus with your whole heart. And I say this as much to Christians as to anyone who's not a Christian. And I say this for this reason. I know a whole lot of Christians who do not know life abundant. Who do not know fullness of life. And I'm here to tell you why. Because they're half-hearted Christians. They believe with their head they believe in some things about Jesus. They believe in, yeah, I believe who he is. I believe he's rose from the dead. I believe all these things. But with the other part of them, 
They have loves and passions and desires for the things of this world. You know, this is very common. Because you've got to look for the place that you find your joy. Does my life, does my joy come from the things of this world or does it come from Christ? It's the pivotal question. Because when it comes from Christ, there's fullness of life. When it comes from the world, there's emptiness and there's struggle and there's difficulty and there's a continual temptation to try to go after something else. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24, Jesus says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life, get this, will lose it. But whoever would, whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Huh? Did you follow that? Whoever loses wins in the sense. Whoever wins loses. What? That's supposed to make you go, what are you talking about? The losers, the winner, winners, the loser. What planet is this guy from? It is, it, it, Jesus is, wants you to think about this. And then, here's another thing he's saying. The first part. He who dies lives. He who lives dies. Huh? What are you talking about? This is odd. This is strange. It's like, black is white. Ups is down. Where are we, where are we going with this? But you have to understand something. Jesus was showing us the way of life. It's through a cross where we must die to ourselves and then find life on the other side. And the reason why this is such a hard concept for us to understand is that we don't understand how much we're seeking to save our lives and to gain life and to receive life apart from God. And he knows that the only way that you'll ever receive the fullness of life in him is if you laid all this stuff down, you turn from it, you die to it, you get rid of it, you surrender it, you give up for it, and you turn to Jesus with your whole heart, empty-handed, dying to yourself, dying to everything that your, your flesh wants, and you turn to him with your whole heart. And he knows at that moment when you do that, then you will receive life because he imparts his life fully to you. Do you realize that Jesus never gives himself away the life that he's offering to half-hearted people? He's never, you, you can't hold your pleasures and desires and everything over here and say, yeah, let me try Jesus. I know a lot of Christians who try Jesus. I'm going to try him on a little bit here with this one hand. Yeah, I believe. Let's see what he has to offer me. Eh, no, it's not very good. I'll go back over here. That is nothing, that is a false sense of Christian life. It's not Christian life. And here's the thing. We have to understand that when it comes to life and death issues, life and death issues reveal to us what's in our souls, in our hearts. Randy Alcorn put it this way uh, when he said in his book on heaven, many Christians dread the thought of leaving this world. Why? Because so many have stored up their treasures on earth and not in heaven. If your treasure, treasures are on earth, that means each day brings you closer to losing your treasures. He who lays up treasures on earth sees death as a loss. 
He who lays up treasures in heaven looks forward to eternity because to him death is gain. You know, what is so good about those questions is that it causes us to look in here and say, where is my true love? Where is my true passion? What is my, what's truly in my heart? And it, it reveals to us where we seek to find life for the death that's in us. Here's another way of putting it. It will reveal in your heart what are your idols, the things that you cling to and, and, and have a hard time bringing to God, laying down at the cross. Do you understand that people who don't know the fullness of life in Christ, the resurrection from the dead, have not turned to Christ with their whole heart? Did you hear that? Whole heart. They are seeking fullness of life in this world. And the thing is, I feel very, I apologize to all, all young children, anybody who grows up in the church, who, who sees so many false, false views of what it means to be a Christian. Because one of the worst things can happen is when you have the Christian faith, but you don't have the Christian life. Because what, then what you do is you end up, you adopting the morality and the rules of the, of the word of God without the life of God in you. And that becomes ugly. Very ugly. Yeah, Christians can be the ugliest people in the world. Legalistic, rule following, do this, don't do this. If you, if you don't do this, then you, then you're in trouble and that's all we need. And it's all about these rules with the absence of life. And it's a horrible thing because you know, sometimes it seems like the world has the life and the church has the death. And all you have to do is go into a church sometimes and think, whoa, who died here? It's like dead man's bones. And then you go to, you go to a work party on Friday night and then this is where the life is at. Yet we declare with our mouths, we talk about this fullness of life, but fullness of life is only found to those who go to Jesus with their whole hearts, dying to themselves. Bearing that cross daily. And in, and in that full surrender to Jesus, you find resurrection life and fullness of life in your souls that comes out through your hands and feet and everything you do. You know, I want to close this morning challenging you, challenging you to turn to Jesus with your whole heart. And like I said, I don't care if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for 40 years. Here's something else that happens sometimes. There was a time when you fully and completely, you turned to Jesus with your whole heart. But over time, you start going back to the world, you pick up other idols and things, and now you've got little precious over here that you're not willing to turn over to God and turn to Jesus with your whole heart. You need to do business. Because Jesus said, you know what he said in Luke 9 again? Take up your cross, how often? Daily. He knows what's going on. You're an idol factory, my friend, and you need to do it daily because I'm afraid for tomorrow. You turn to me with your whole heart, come to me, oh, Jesus, you remember the day people came to Jesus with their whole hearts and he filled them with the fullness of life and they say, man, I knew fullness of life. Yeah, that's because you turned to him with your whole heart and then on Monday morning you went back to your idols. And that's so often what we do. And so all of us, this is a call to you. If you've never known the life of Jesus, 
Come to know him today. What do you do? You turn to him with your whole heart and say, Lord Jesus, I turn to you. And by faith, I embrace you and I believe you. And I, I lay everything down in my life and I turn, give you everything in my life. What I want is your life. I'm sick of death. I hate death. I want the resurrection life. Turn to Jesus with your whole heart and he will give you life. But make no mistake, he does not give life to half-hearted creatures. You must turn to him with your whole heart. Everything in you. And so that's my call to you today. And as the band comes forward and we sing these next couple songs, I want you to reflect on this. And this is my call to you. Is turn to Christ with your whole heart. And I don't care who you are, Christian or non-Christian. Turn to him. Receive the fullness of life, the life of the resurrection life. You want to see revival and renewal in the church and in people's lives? All they have to do is get rid of those, those gross idols and turn to Jesus with everything in their being. And they will be filled with fullness of life because he is the life and the resurrection. Jesus conquered death, not only physically, but spiritually. So let us rise to our feet now, sing his praises, and delight in this resurrection morning. Amen. Amen.